Hey, this is Michael. Thanks so much for listening to Soma's podcast. Before this week's teaching, I just want to take a second and thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It makes a huge impact. Enjoy the message. Hey, on February 5th, a couple things before we jump into the message today. Uh, February 5th, about a month, we've got... Oh, excuse me. If you if you can slide in, because we we're swole and there's people just standing at the back of the room. So if you just if you have room, make room, all that good stuff um, for people that are just standing. Thank you so much. And their teams uh, putting chairs out at the back that we found. Who knows where they found those chairs? So anyway, all right. So baptisms are coming up February fifth. Uh, if you have professed faith in Christ, you've made a decision to follow Jesus. I know over the course of the last few months, we've had many people make a decision to follow Christ. Man, this is your party that you want to show up to on February 5th. Pray about it. Ask God, is this the next step that you want me to take? And I promise you, if you haven't taken this next step and you believe in Jesus, this is a next step he wants you to take. Uh, we practice baptism by immersion as a church just because we see that all throughout the New Testament. Jesus gives us the precedent in Scripture where he goes and he's baptized. And John's like, Lord, I don't, this is crazy. And Jesus is like, this ain't about you. This is about me and, and just for the rest of the church. And so it's death to an old life and being raised to new life in Christ. And if you grew up in a tradition that didn't practice baptism by immersion, maybe you did. My wife is a great example. Brooke grew up in a Methodist church, loved her faith experience in the Methodist church, and just would fully affirm that it was meaningful what she did with her family when she was an infant. They gathered together. It's much like what we do with, with baby dedication or child dedication. But there's just something about being a believer in Jesus, placing my faith and my hope in him. And if I grew up in a background that didn't carry baptism by immersion, I just see in the New Testament, man, this is just this awkward move I make as a Christ follower where I get in a pool in front of everybody, family, friends, God, everybody, and just be like, this is who I am in Christ. And so I just want to encourage you, challenge you too. That if you haven't taken that next step, you can go online and register for baptisms. Team will follow up. If you have questions about baptism, we'd love to field those and just serve you in that way. Pray, pray with you as you move towards that next step in faith. And then today we have growth track after the 1115 service. If you're new, I know there's many new faces, people that are getting connected to the life of the church, excited about faith and life and church again. And uh, this is a great way for you to, to just get connected to the life of the church, but also it's a great conversation around your purpose, your call, what you feel passionate about. We believe that everybody who is, has said yes to Jesus, who's decided to follow Jesus, given their life to him, is now called and really commissioned to make disciples, to make an impact on their world. And there's a particular, like a unique way that God's designed you to do that, which is really cool. You don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to give someone else's portion. You don't have to serve in the same way that other people do. It's really just how did God create me and why me to do it? Not only on a Sunday, but just every day. Like every day, how, how am I wired to do that? That's what Growth Track's all about. If you haven't signed up, you can still come. Uh, there'll be food and child care after the 1115 service in this room. Our team leads through that. And then we've been in 21 days of prayer and, and fasting. And uh, coming into this last week, of 21 days of prayer and fasting. I hope, I've talked to a lot of people who've told me about, hey, this is what I'm fasting or this is what I'm praying for in this season. We've had more prayer cards than ever. Encourage you to fill out a prayer card today if you haven't filled one out. Things you got going on in your life you need to communicate. But in this series, this, I'm so excited because during this service, there's a team of people who are praying, interceding for you. Actually, while this service is taking place, literally just praying for whatever it is that you need prayer for in church family. They're in this back room. 
uh, praying. And then also on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have prayer services in the morning. This is something we've never done before. And we were like, let's just try it on, see what happens. And, uh, and it's been cool. Every single prayer service has grown. Like we've had more people come to every single prayer service. If you haven't been yet, I should, it was last week. So Tuesday and Thursday this week here at the mill at 630. And I know it's early, but if you just start the day that way, you're going to want to go to bed at like 8 or 9 p.m. Uh, at the end of that day. But I'm just telling you, it's like it just hits different whenever you pray first, worship first. It's super exciting. I want to encourage you to be a part of that. We've been in a series called Overflow coming off of our Christmas season. We, we kind of launched, uh, launched the whole thing in Christmas. But Overflow is really the idea is, hey, God desires to do a work inside of you. And then as he transforms who you're becoming and do this work on the inside of you, it begins to come out of you and make an impact on the people around you. And so many of us are frustrated with the Christian life because we're trying to, like, do things in our own effort. And I'm trying to do things in my own strength. And I'm trying to just keep all the rules and show up to all the things. And, and yet it doesn't transform in the way that just God desires to transform you. And so overflow is really all about, hey, God has a part to play in me becoming like Christ, and I have a part to play. I can't do God's job. Like, I can't transform my heart. My heart's, the heart is desperately wicked, right? And who can know the things of the heart is what the Bible tells us. And so God desires to just change my motivations in my heart. I can't do that in my own strength. But also, there's a part that I have to play in cultivating the fruits of the Spirit, which is I just draw closer to God. He says, hey, draw close to me. I'll draw close to you. Jesus tells us to abide Hey, there needs to be like this act of surrender, this act of leaning in, this act of desire. Hey, if you'll ask, if you'll seek, if you'll knock, if you'll show up, if you'll pursue me, is what he promises in his word, I'll begin to do a transforming thing on the inside of you. And this is what the transformation looks like. This is Galatians 5, 22 through 23 has been our theme verse for this series. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Today we're talking about the goodness of God. The goodness of God. And uh, you may have grown up in this church. I don't know. Some of you may have grown up in this church. The pastor stands up and says, God is good. And all the time. Some of y'all went to that church, right? And so, uh, but it's just the idea is regardless of what I'm going through, regardless of what life looks like, it's just a reminder. Hey, God's good. Yeah, but what about, you know, God's good, right? And, and I, even as a little kid, you, you rehearse and memorize that prayer, that blessing that you have at mealtime. God is great. God is, let us thank him for our food, right? And, and it's just, uh, he is great, and he's powerful, and he's mighty, and he's also good. He's a good God. I remember I would leave the house growing up. My dad would look at me as I, I left the house. This may have been your dad, too. And he'd look at me, he'd be like, be good, be good, right? And so it's just like this idea of be good. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not good in my own strength and in my own effort. I don't know about you. But sometimes I don't desire in my flesh to do good. Sometimes I don't desire to say good things. Sometimes I don't desire to think good things. And because it's just not in me in my own effort. And it's not in you in your own effort. So the whole idea, just like every other fruit, is, okay, if I believe that God is good, if I look at the person of Christ and I look at Jesus and his life and his ministry and his teachings and his miracles, and his death, and his sacrifice, and his resurrection, if I look at him and go, that is good, that is a great model of what goodness looks like, and I desire to become more like Jesus, how do I get there? And I think one of the things that we can't do is we can't afford to, um, we can't afford to just like forget the goodness of God, or pretend like the goodness of God um, 
isn't, you know, it doesn't permeate every area of our life. This is what Psalm 105 says. It says, the Lord is always good. He's always loving and kind. His faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. So if I focus on the goodness of God, it, it actually, here's what's amazing about the fruits. You know this from other previous weeks. They all kind of touch each other. So as I'm more dialed in and more trusting and more kind of affirmed of the goodness of God, there's just like an odd peace that sets in when I believe that God is good. So if I'm going through hard things, even if I'm going through hard things and I believe God is good, I'm like, yeah, but God's still good. And, and it just gives me a peace that sets in. Same thing with joy. I get an odd joy in my life. Uh, and so there's, there's fruits that are attached to the goodness of God. i got to believe in his goodness. And what happens when I forget the goodness of God? What happens when I try and do things in my own strength? That's what I want to talk to us about today. I don't operate out of what he wants to do in me, but I try and do things in my own effort. Here's the first thing. These are the liabilities that come, that come with forgetting the goodness of God. One, I start to claim credit for what God has done. So again, God is good all the time. Every good and perfect gift comes from heaven. If i got good things going on in my life, it's a gift. It's a grace that God has given me. And it's that mindset that I should operate with as a Christ follower. This is what Jesus believes. This is what Jesus teaches. This is what Jesus lives. And yet sometimes we forget, you know what? I am awesome, and I did that by myself, right? That's kind of our mindset. I start to claim credit for what God has done. In Luke 12, Jesus tells the story of a rich man who's been very successful, tons of money, Jesus says he's, he's accumulated incredible wealth, our equivalent of a billionaire, right? This guy's he's loaded, and he's got a problem. And the problem that the guy has is he's so loaded, he can't figure out what to do with all of his resources. So he's like, what am I going to do with all his resources? I got to, like, add on to my storage, right? I got to build, the Bible tells us, I got to build bigger barns to store up the things that I've accumulated. And in the passage, um, Jesus is teaching through this story, and, and he's showing us, hey, this guy is not grateful for what God's done in his life. This guy is not a conduit. He doesn't realize that he's been blessed to bless other people. He's not open-handed. He's not generous. He's not a giver. And definitely he's not grateful for what God's done. He doesn't credit God with his fortune. And here's the response that God gives him. And so in the story, God says, you fool. Tonight you will die and everything you accumulated, I'm going to take it from you. You can't take it with you. And so what do you think? I'm, I'm just going to take everything that you've accumulated. I'm going to hand that to people who are going to better steward, better give, better be a conduit of the things that I desire. And this is what Jesus teaches us about prideful ingratitude. It's such a big thing in Scripture. If you and I thought about, like, what are the worst sins that we could possibly commit? I know your, your mind's racing. Just think right now, like, what are the worst possible sins? Like the really gross, ugly, dark ones. You don't even like to say them out loud. Like just like just think about whatever that is in your head. But the Bible says whatever you're thinking up, it the real issue is prideful ingratitude. Some of us, our head goes straight to like, you know, hurting people or killing people or some kind of sexual sin or whatever. The Bible says nope. Prideful ingratitude, thinking that you're God instead of God is God, is the biggest issue. And this is also the issue if you think about it. Uh, in, in Scripture, this is the issue that Satan has. Prideful ingratitude leads to every fall. If you're going to sin, if you're going to sin in a big way in your life, if you're going to fall in some way in your life, pride comes before whatever it is that you're going to experience, right? And so this is Acts 12, 21 through 23. There's this story where we see King Herod, same thing happens for him. He doesn't remember the goodness of God. He doesn't credit everything amazing in his life towards the goodness of God. And here's what happens. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robe, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, 
this is the voice of God, not of a man. And so, you know, Herod's like, yeah, yeah, that's a good speech. You know what I mean? Like he's just, he's leaning into this moment. And immediately because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. It gets real awkward for his audience. Everybody's like, oh, that's so good. That's right. And then he, he like leans into it. And he's like, I'm amazing. And then he gets struck, starts getting eaten by worms. And everybody's like, whoa, that's different. So it's, a, it's prideful ingratitude that leads him to destruction. So it's, it's the moment where he decides, I'm good in my own right and in my own effort. This isn't, this isn't a grace on my life. This moment, this role, this place I sit, even the, the gift of speaking, whatever it was that he had going on, it's not a gift from God. This is something I, I did amazing. I'm amazing. Look at me. So you're setting yourself up when you say, I did it all myself. And the problem with a self-made man or a self-made woman is uh, we tend to worship our maker, so if you think, I made it myself, you, you, that, that's the problem is self-worship. If you take inventory of your work and your success and your accomplishments and your wealth, and you're thinking to yourself, but I built this business. Like, I built this with my bare hands. Who gave you your hands? <laughs> right? Like I, but I earned those degrees. I got four degrees. And, you know, I'm like my intellect and my mind, and I applied it. And, you know, my smarts. And who gave you your intellect? Right. And the idea is like I just I crush whatever accomplishments that I've experienced or success by the sweat of my brow. Who gave you your sweat? Who gave you your brow? Right. The whole idea is that man, everything good in our life comes from God. And so when we don't credit God with goodness and when we don't see everything that's good in our life as coming from God, we tend to claim credit for what God has done. And so everything is that way. I was I was having this conversation last night with my three year old. Um, and so Solomon, our, our youngest, he, I was putting him to bed, and Mama brought him, he bought, bought, her, bought him a Yeti, like a little stuffed animal, because we didn't have enough stuffed animals, you know. So he was like, let's get another stuffed animal. So anyway, he's got a Yeti stuffed animal, and it comes off of this movie. He loves this movie. Put him to bed, and we're reading books, all that good stuff, prayer time. And we're starting to pray, and he's in that season and in that stage. I think preschool's really helped him with this, too, but, uh, but just family time prayer where he's just starting to pray more and just thank God for certain things. So thank you for my mom and thank you for sissies and thank you for Winnie. It's our dog. And thank you for, he begins to thank God for all the things. And he gets to the end. I'm like, Hey, thank you for my Yeti. And he looks up at me. He's like, God didn't give me this Yeti. It's like, mama gave me this Yeti. I said, who gave you your mama? He said, touche. No, he didn't say touche. <laughs> that, that'll be really impressive if it's a three-year-old, but he, but I was just trying to teach him. I was like, look, my man, like God gave you your daddy and your mama and God gave us the ability to earn an income and the ability to purchase that and the ability to some, somebody else, the ability to make that. And we, you know, like, so I'm just kind of backtracking. I'm like, no, God actually did give you that. Every good and perfect gift, if it's good, it's from him. If there's something good going on in your life, it's a gift from God. And so this is what we've got to cultivate, the ability to see, hear, smell, taste, feel, experience the goodness of God, look at creation and go, whoa, okay, that's wild, right? Even the, like you're breathing right now and you're not thinking about it. Your heart is pumping and you're doing nothing to make it pump, okay? So they, these are graces, common graces. You don't even have to believe in God or be a good person in order to experience a good steak, a good sunset, sex, all the things, right? It's like there's all kinds of things. I'm, creation is a great example, so creation, snow-capped mountains. You look at snow-capped mountains 
or you look at, you're on the beach, you have your feet in uh, the sand at the beach and the waves, like you hear the waves crest and you're just sitting there and you watch the sunset and it's like, that's wild. That's crazy, right? Here's what the Bible says about it. This is Romans 1, 20 through 21. Paul says, since God created everything, people have always been able to see his goodness and power in nature. So people really have no excuse. They know God exists, but do not give him the credit for all he's made, and they're ungrateful. There it is. So their thinking becomes confused, and their hearts are filled up with darkness. They think that they're wise, but they become fools. The apostle Paul says, hey, if, if there's a design, there's a designer. If there's creation, there's a creator. You are without excuse. And if you look at creation and if you look at what God's built and if you look at the world around us, I mean, as a parent, even looking at your kid, it's wild, like the miracle that is a kid. And as a grandparent, it even hits harder for all my grandparents. You know what I'm saying, right? Because you don't have to parent them. You just go, oh, they're so cute. And then you send them home, right? So it's like it's, it's, it, you love them even though it's like, a love, it's like a different level of love and appreciation for the goodness of God. But as you look at creation and you go, that's wild what God did. And in, the Bible says anytime we're unwilling to look at creation or the design, the things around us that just point to the goodness of God, right? Anytime we're unwilling to look at that and see that, then really it's just a desire for us to lord over our lives. It's not that you don't believe in God. It's just that you don't want one. Um, it, you know, it's the equivalent of if you're going hiking somewhere, you're on the Blue Ridge, you're walking along, all of a sudden you see an iPhone 14. You're not like, that's a weird-looking rock. No one thinks that. You pick it up, you're like, that's a design. Like somebody made this junk, right? And the same thing, Paul's saying, the same thing in all of creation. You're without excuse to believe that there is a God above who is good and who creates things in his goodness. And according to Romans 1, uh, we see evidence, and if we don't want to believe in God, it's because we, uh, we want to be a God ourselves. Verses 20 through 21, go, go back to that. It says, they know God exists. They don't give him the credit for all he's made, and they're ungrateful. So their thinking becomes confused, and their hearts filled up with darkness, and they think that they're wise, but they become fools. Um, and that sounds just like a lot of people in broader culture. And it starts with, notice it start, it's like a slippery slope. So it doesn't, it doesn't start with unbelief. It starts with, I, re, I don't really want to lord over me. I don't, really, I don't trust the goodness of God. I'm not seeing that. And then all of a sudden, it gets worse and worse. Uh, their thinking becomes confused and their hearts are filled up with darkness. The slide in unbelief doesn't start with unbelief. It starts with ungratefulness. Ingratitude is where it starts. And so the Bible also says that this idea of being ungrateful for the goodness of God is one of the signs of the last days. This is a sobering passage. This is 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 2. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, and unholy. Let's pray real hard and fast because the Lord is coming back any minute, okay? So it's like this, is, this literally sounds like today. It sounds like today. And so, but notice that, that uh, ungratefulness is in this long list of sins, that precedes the coming of Christ, the second coming. God wants us to remember that the source of our success, the good that you experience, if you've experienced it and it's good, it's from God. And so, uh, the matter of fact, the Bible asks this question, what do you have that God has not given you, including your Yeti, 
right? And so this is 1 Corinthians 4, 7 through 8. Isn't everything that you have and everything that you are sheer gifts from God? So what's the point in all this comparing and competing? You already have all you need. God has given you all that you need. And in him, you're complete. You have the goodness of God. And so every good and perfect gift comes from God. So the first, the first problem that we have whenever we see God as not being good is we start to claim credit for what God's done. The second thing is we stop asking God for help. So again, if I don't believe that God is the source of all goodness, when I need some help and when I need to come through, when I need a breakthrough, when I'm going through a hard season, I stop asking God for help. And so I stop depending on him in my prayer life. We're in 21 days of prayer and fasting. And it's like, man, if I've got a need, if I've got a worry, if I've got an anxiety, if I've got a fear, if I've got some area in my life I need breakthrough, pray. Pray first. Because what it does is it's a posture of humility, a posture of surrender. And it's really just preaching at myself and just saying, oh, yeah, you're in charge of all of it. Okay, yeah, why am I trying to do this? That's so stupid. Why am I trying to do this in my own strength? So prayer is really just coming to him. And the Bible tells us twenty times, over 20 times in the New Testament, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. You have not, the Bible tells us, because you ask not. Why am I lacking in this area? Because you ain't asked me yet. I'm waiting on you to ask me. for. So this is James 4.2. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. And so over and over, God wants you and me to ask for whatever we need in prayer. And the thought is, I only want to ask God for the big stuff. I don't really want to bother God, but that's so trivial. That's so stupid, right? But you're anxious over it. Or you're worried about it. Or you're afraid of it. And the thought is, that's not a really big deal. Except it's not about whatever it is that you're praying for. It's about your stress or your anxiety or your worry or your fear. By prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. And all those things dissipate when I hand him those things. He's, he's like, look, I don't, it's not even about. The things that we think are such a big deal in our life are small potatoes to the Lord who is sovereign and over everything. The thought is, man, that's such a big thing. i got to wait and pray for that. God's like, that is tiny, bro. Like everything that you're praying for, all of it, it's not that it doesn't matter to him. It matters to him. It's just that he's over all of it. Things that are tr- seemingly trivial to you, things that are big things, all of them are small in God's eyes. None of our requests are big in his power. And God says, ask when you need me. And the thought, and the thought, I mean, it's really just a command in scripture. Here's how to grow in your faith, grow in your trust, and be reminded of my goodness. I want you to ask. Ask, and then I'm going to do something as you pray. I'm going to answer those prayers, not in the way that you would always want, and definitely not in the timing that you would want, but I'm going to answer those prayers, and I'm going to stir your faith and your affection, and now you're going to be reminded, oh, snap, I prayed in that junk happened you know what I mean like he answered my prayer that's crazy so when you forget the goodness of God your prayers become weak and rehearsed and tepid prayers I, I want to I want you to think about uh, your prayer life right now and think about is it is it something that I just pray around meals or pray at particular times of the day am I praying the same things over and over are they generic prayers or are they specific prayers we I, I think God wants to pray us he wants us to pray specific prayers Pray specifically by name for that individual. What is it that you're struggling with? Where do you have fear? Where do you have anxiety? Where do you have stress? Where do you have, man, I don't know. There's this part of my life. There's this brokenness in my life. I just kind of always wrestle with. I don't know. I don't really. Pray about it. There's this relationship that's broken, needs mended. Pray about it. 
there's this there's this lack, this gap in my finances. I don't really know how I'm, purpose, vocation. Pray about it. Pray first. And so we grow in trust and faith the more we pray and ask God to come through in the areas of our lives. And then we watch him answer our prayers. It's like a circle of security, uh, which is what happens in the life of like children and parents, really all of our relationships. But the idea is a kid when you're growing up, like you're a little baby, you know, really dependent as a child, a young child. Right. And so you, you have a need. And, and you see that there's this need in your life that's just bigger. Like, I'm a baby. I can't hand, you know, I can't do this. You know what I mean? Like, I'm hungry. It's time to eat. I need to change myself. Or even as you grow up, hey, I got to go up these stairs. I really can't go up these stairs. You look at mom and dad like, would you help, help a brother out? You know? And so there's, a, there's an unmet need. You qualify the need. And then you begin to call it out and tell mom and dad, hey, I'm hungry. Hey, I need this, whatever. And then your parent meets that need. And then it builds trust with the parent, right? And then you know, oh, I can go to my mom and my dad when I, like, need help. That's so cool, right? And the same thing is true in our relationship with God and in our prayer life. It's like, um, it's like you go to the pool, and you're, you're three-year-old, you're at the pool, and you're looking in the water. All these people are in the water having a good time. And you're like, but I don't swim, and I remember that one time I went under the water, about died, really don't want to drown, bad idea. But also, they're having such a great time in the pool. Mom and dad are in the pool. I want to get in the pool. You begin to tell mom and dad, hey, I want to get in the pool. Dad's like, jump, I'll catch you. Oh, snap. You know what I mean? Like, I really want to get in the pool, really don't want to die, really important to me, you know, even at three. And so you're, so you're like standing on the edge of the pool, and you're like, all right, you're going to catch me. You're going to catch me? You're going to catch me? You know, you're like doing all this and the first jump, you don't really jump. You just kind of like fall forwards, like real slow, like, and uh, and and you get caught, and you're like, "Oh, I'm wet. This is awesome. Like we're, you know, like I'm I'm alive." And so what do you do? You run back up. You jump again. This time a little bit more effort, uh, a little bit more uh, gusto, right? You're jumping, and then by the end of the day, you're like. You're just like closing your eyes, doing cannonballs, you know, just like flipping, just like whatever. My dad will catch me every single time, unless you don't, and then that will teach your children something else, a little, another hard lesson, right? So um, uh, uh, about how we're human. But anyway, so but the idea is you build trust, that, that circle of security. And this is what God desires for us in the life of prayer. I'm dependent on him. God, I believe in your goodness, and I trust that you're good regardless of what I'm going through. So I'm going to take my stress and my anxiety and my worry. I'm going to take all the things that I'm afraid of, and I'm going to hand it to you, and I'm going to pray first. And then I, I desire the peace that you offer, and I desire the joy that you offer. God, I desire, and I know that's part of the process as well, is patience. As I wait on you for the answer that you have in my prayer. This is Matthew seven eleven. If you then, though you are evil, know how good uh, how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good, give good gifts to those who ask him? And, and in Matthew 7, this passage is saying, hey, all of humanity like, wants to do kind things for their children. You could be the most evil joker ever. And it's like, how much more does God in heaven desire to give good things to those who ask uh, in his name? And so if you have an unmet need in your life, you express what you need to God, and then he meets that need. It grows your faith and your trust in him. Um, and so if you're not asking God to meet your needs in prayer, you're not growing and you're not trusting. So you need to ask yourself, when was the last time I prayed specific prayers, 
I asked God to come through. I waited on God. I didn't try and do it in my own effort or my own strength. I got real direction. Again, Galatians 5, Paul says, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. God will tell you when and how. You already know. You already know. Oh, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to confess that. I'm supposed to repent that. I'm supposed to apologize. I'm supposed to forgive. I'm supposed to, like, these are the things that I'm supposed to do. I know it. I feel it. I'm supposed to keep in step in the Spirit. What's my next thing? I can't do it in my own strength. Uh, prayer gives us over to belief and trust in the goodness of God. And so God wants to give you and me what we ask. But he doesn't always answer the prayer in the time that you want it and in the way that you want it. And, and even this is a gift. Because if he gave you everything that you wanted when you wanted it, you would be selfish. You would, be pr- you would struggle with that. Like you, and you would, be, you would not be dependent on God at all. You would be so prideful. And, he's, and, and sometimes the things you ask for just aren't good. He's like, no, I'm not giving you that. That's so stupid, right? He's it's like, no, let me, I'm going to give you good things. I'm not going to give you the thing you asked for. I'm going to give you, as Garth Brooks has a song about this. You know what I mean? Un, unanswered prayers. So the, the idea is like, I'm going to give you what, what, if you knew everything that I knew, I'm going to give you that. What you would give yourself if you knew everything I knew about your situation and about what you need in this space. And sometimes it's not a, it's not a yes, it's just a not yet I want to give that to you. You're not ready for it. Like, I, I really do, as, your, as a loving Heavenly Father, want to give that to you. If I give that to you while you're not ready, you're just going to ruin it. And uh, as like kids, when they ask you, like, can we go do, do something? Like, can we go to Disney World? Yes, in five years after we save, you know what I mean? After I sell uh, an organ and we save up and, you know, all the things, we can go in five years. But, like, not, so I say yes. It's just, a, it's not yet. And so sometimes that's God's response to us. But what it does is it grows our faith and our dependence on him by trusting that he wants good things for us. And as we wait, what will happen is, is if you're really pre- praying and if you're really seeking God and if you're really asking him to show up, God will give you what you need to keep in step. God will give you what you need for the next season. And so he'll grow your faith and your trust in him. So that when other, something else happens in your life, you're prepared for it as you step into whatever is next. And this is James 4.2. You do not have because you do not ask God. Some of y'all need, you need, that needs to be your homework assignment. You're like, oh, man, snap. I need to ask. You, you have, like, career plans that you're making. You haven't prayed about it. Relationship plans that you're making. You're getting married. You're whatever. You're dating somebody. You haven't prayed about it vocational direction, college of choice, all the things you haven't prayed first. And you're trying to do it in your own strength and your own effort. You ain't going to have because you don't ask. And so, so God's like, hey, just ask me. Like, I'm ready to help you. It reminds me of um, my mom does this thing, and she's always done this thing. But only recently in the last few years have I really, like, grabbed a hold of it. Because just, again, I'm just fleshy that way. But, like, for the longest time, she would lose something, and then she would pray about it. And I lose my keys. I lose my wallet. I lose my phone. I lo- Like, I have, every year, people give me, like, those little tile things with the app. You know what I mean? And then I lose those, and so I don't ever. So it's like I lose, I lose stuff all the time. And I lose my phone. And, uh, and my mom says, hey, did you pray about it? And I'm like seriously you know what I mean like I'm that I'm, again this is I know it's telling and so like for but for the past couple of years I'm like you know what yeah 
Yeah, God cares about my keys. Yeah. And so, uh, so earlier this year, I'd lost my phone, and I had lost my phone for like four or five days. It's starting to get awkward. People text me, you know, who died? Did something happen? I'm just trying to, you know, at some point I need a new phone. And so, but I'm like digging in. I'm like not getting a new phone. And, uh, and my mom says, did you pray about it? Oh, <laughs> no, I did not. And so I was like, you know what? Let's pray. We're going to stop. We're going to pray right now. Thank you, Father, for helping me find my keys. Thank you, Father, for helping me find my phone. Thank you for helping me find the things that I've lost. And so I prayed, hey, God, would you just help me find my phone? Um, I promise you, it's been four or five days I haven't had my phone. Ten minutes later, Anna calls Brooke. Hey, Mom, um, we were trying to find the remote in the sofa, and we found Dad's phone. I was like, shut up. That's so great. I was like, but this happens every single time. And the thought is, God doesn't care about my phone, but if it's causing you worry, if it's causing you fear, if it's causing you anxiety, if it's causing you stress, it ain't about the phone. He wants to take that from you and then give you over to a place of trust. Again, God is good. Everything good comes from him. How can I build a dependency on him? And so um, this is Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so I get to come because I'm in Christ. If you're a believer of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, you get to come boldly before the throne of God and ask anything that you want to ask. Not in your own merit, your own effort, your own grace, your own works. Not in anything that you've accomplished, but just in the goodness of God. Through Christ, I get to come and I get to ask God to move on my behalf. And then because of what Jesus did for me, the Bible tells me he wants to answer my prayers. So we've got to be bold in our prayers. Because he's good and his track record is flawless. And, and the question is, like, what is God's motivation even in answering my prayer? This is the, his motivation. Psalm 69, 16. Answer me, Lord, out of the goodness of your love. Answer me, Lord. Why? Because it's just out of the goodness of your love. And, and he will answer out of the goodness of his love. And so we can stop asking God for help. And, and we can try and do things in our own effort and in our own strength. We are trying as a church family to build and cultivate a culture of pray first. And it's true for these services and it's true for people interceding. Listen, all hell will break loose if, if you just would believe God and his goodness and then begin to cultivate a, a culture of pray, pray first for your family. We want to impact our community. We want revival. We want people to come to faith in Christ. We want to make a lasting impact. We want, for the, for the sake of Jesus, like make his name famous and just to the ends of the earth, not just here, but for everywhere. How do we do it? Prayer. Somebody asked Billy Graham one time, hey, what is your like strategy when you go into like evangelistic rallies and what do you do? Like, how's this all? And he was like, oh, there's three things. And they're like, okay, cool. And they're like writing them down. And he's like, prayer, prayer, and then prayer. Those are the things that we lean on when it comes to like people's lives being transformed. Pray first. Pray first. We're doing this thing as, as we're in this season as a church. There's a couple things, priorities that we have as a church. One is we head towards the spring, um, building biblical community. Because you guys know, you look around a room like this, and you're like, there's people standing up at the back of the room. The idea is like, we need, you come into a space like this, hide behind a cup of coffee, and it hits. Like, experience is great. Awesome. I got my worship on. Yeah, I got my coffee. I don't, whatever they're doing with the coffee is good. Child care is on lock. 
feel good about that. Uh, teaching, it's, it's the Bible, like all that. But at some point, you need somebody to know your name. You need somebody to know the hard things that you're going through. You need somebody to pray for you by name. You need somebody to walk alongside of you. This is this temple courts and house-to-house worship is what we need. You guys need to be in biblical community. Small groups are such a key ingredient. So that's one of the things that we're praying for as a church. And we're praying and believing God to build it. There's people that are called to be group leaders that are already here. Just pray first. God, the Holy Spirit will show us. Same thing for youth. We're in a season where we're leaning heavy, heavy into to youth. And I want to credit Dallas and company, the team that's building an incredible youth culture for us. The first thing that they've done in order to reach more kids, serve more kids, build a, a better youth experience for us as a church is pray first. There's a group of dream team, group of leaders who literally every single time they get together like an hour before, they're just praying for the kids that are going to come, for the students that are going to come, for lives that are going to be transformed. When we had 82 students come together and worship together, uh, on that first invite night, and we had four kids come to faith in Christ. All that, I promise you, is prayer. That's it. But yeah, but he's got such a good speaker. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Like, it's prayer. It's dependent on God's goodness to work in and through us. It's really what transforms people. It, it, it's, the, it's the game changer. So, again, I, we stop asking God for help. When we stop asking God for help, He's just sitting there waiting and going, man, I'm ready to help you. Would you ask me? I'm ready. And, and that leads into a, another place is we stop trusting God in difficult times. So landscape doesn't look too good. I'm going through the worst season of my life, super broken, hard, sickness, death, loss, relationships, struggles, whatever the case may be. And I begin to stop trusting God in difficult times. Uh, if you were more aware of how good God is, it would be our first response And not our last resort to pray, to trust God. Pray first is the culture that we're building. This is Psalm 16, 1 through 2. It says, protect me, God, because I trust in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Every good thing I have comes from you. Some of you just need to practice. If you struggle with ingratitude, you just need to practice of journaling. You need a gratitude journal. You need to literally take inventory of the goodness of God in your life every single day. Big and small ways. It's all grace. And so this is Romans 8, 28. We know that in everything, God works for the good of those who love him. They are the people he called because that was his plan. And so this whole idea that God works uh, for the good of those who love him, who are in Christ Jesus, who I place my faith and my trust in Jesus now, again, because God is good, not because I deserve it. God works everything, even the hard things in my life for the good of me and for the good of others. And so even when I lose a loved one, I, I can't, the, the, most thing, the things that move our faith the most is when we see people who have gone through hard situations and then we see God redeem those hard situations, put purpose on it, and give people over to an odd and supernatural peace attached to his goodness. That's it. He's just good. And, and, and the thought is, why do I have to go through that? Why does God make me go through these things? God doesn't, make, God doesn't want anybody to die. God doesn't want brokenness. God doesn't want sin. God doesn't want, God doesn't want the current situation that we're in. And so God sends a son to rescue, redeem, to make right what we, what we broke so badly. And in our own effort and in our own strength, it will always, it's always going to lead to that. But when I focus on his goodness and when I'm reminded that Christ, you know what? Christ came and he defeated death and he defeated the hell and he defeated the grave and he defeated the sin and the brokenness in my life. And he defeated everything that I'm facing. Jesus just lords over. And in God's goodness, it gives me faith to believe 
that God works for the good of those who love him, even in hard space. And so if I, if I do that, if I get to that point, I stop trusting God in difficult times. Um, it can even get to this place. When I stop focusing on the goodness of God, I become pessimistic about the future. And hope for the future and the goodness of God are so tightly wound because if I don't believe that God is good and has a good plan and desires good things for my life and your life, there ain't much hope in that. This is not. And so uh, Psalm 27, King David he puts it this way in verses 13 and 14. I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Then he says this, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And this idea that um, if, I, if God grows my faith and trust in his goodness, because I know, I know right now uh, who's in the room because I see you and I know people who are, who are battling um, you know, marriage struggles and people who are battling cancer diagnosis and people who are battling purpose and people who are battling all the things but if I lean in and I pray first I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm stressed I don't know how to, and then I believe God I'm, I'm trusting you that you're good I'm praying for these things. Watch what God does in return as he grows you in your faith and your trust in him. And here's what's, what's cool. David, who's in a really hard situation, goes, man, if I didn't believe that God was good, if I didn't know that God was good and this was going to work out, man, I would really struggle in this space that I'm in. But I, I wait on the Lord, and that's his encouragement to us, is to wait on the Lord. And to wait, and so what happens is as we wait, God answers my prayer, not when I want it or how I want it, but again, all these fruits touch one another. He begins to give me endurance. He begins to give me over to patience. And he begins to make me who it is he wants me to make, make me in that space. I never could become that person outside of waiting. Like if he just gave me the answer to the prayer right away, I wouldn't have developed endurance. I wouldn't have developed the things I needed to become who God wanted me to come, become. And so hope is anticipating God's goodness. That's what David tells us in Psalm 27. Hope is just the anticipation of what's good and what's coming. Again, I believe in a God who is for me, a God who has created eternity uh, and prepared a place for his people in heaven. I get to be with him, but also he gives me the abundant life now. God wants more for me now than I want for myself. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. And this is, this is God's promise to his people. God only has good plans for your life. And, and you and I can miss those plans. We can miss those plans. You can have your own plans. That's how we miss them. <laughs> I, don't ascend to, I, don't, I don't decide to surrender my life and align my life with what God's plans are for me. I know the Holy Spirit's asked me to do that. I know God wants me to say that. I know God wants me to go there. I know God wants me to do that. I know it requires faith and trust. I'm unwilling to do it. I got my own agenda. I got my own plans. So you can miss, you can miss God's goodness and his plans for your life if you have your own. But he desperately wants you. He desperately wants you to step into the ones that he has for you. And he gives you over to more hope for the future. Again, Psalm 27, 13 through 14. I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
wait for the Lord. And so that's what we're going to do um, right now is I'm just going to ask you to just wait on the Lord. I'm going to ask you to just think about what are the things currently in my life that are causing me stress, anxiety, worry, fear, things that are holding me back, unconfessed sin, struggles, temptations, brokenness, bad diagnosis, whatever. What are the things that I'm holding on to that I, I, I need to pray and I need to trust God and I need to say, God, you are good. Regardless of what my environment looks like, regardless of what my news is, regardless of what broader culture says, God, I know that you're good. I know your track record. I know you're flawless. Help me to trust you, that you care about the small things that I go through and the big things that I go through. And we're going to pray as a church family. Pray for family, friends, but pray for yourself as you need it. And just ask God, God, would you just grow and cultivate in us the fruit of the Spirit? God, help us to become more like you, good to the people around us good to our neighbor, good to our spouse, good to our kids, good to our coworkers. Cultivate in us your righteousness, Jesus. Help us to look more like you. And the only way we do that is just to remember how good you are. So let's pray and believe that this morning. Jesus, thank you so much for your goodness. God, thank you for uh, your goodness on display in the person of Christ. Thank you that you came, Jesus, that you lived and that you died and that you offered yourself as a sacrifice and that if we need a model for and an image of what goodness is, it's in you. And so help us to shape, just shape and transform our lives into the likeness of Christ, God. As we, as we lay down our agenda, as we surrender, as we come to you and we open up and we say, God, would you search our hearts? Would you know us? Would you reveal to us all the inconsistencies, all the areas of our life that are just not good? And we know what they are. Holy Spirit, just remind us in this moment the opportunities that we have to confess and repent. Change our minds about who we are and who others are so that we can put on your goodness. And just be mindful that you are good. Every good thing in our life is from you. And you desire us to, to take, out of the overflow of what you're doing in us, to take and, and begin to impact the people around us with your goodness. And so give us an opportunity to do that. And give us eyes to see and ears to hear what goodness is in your word. You've already established what holiness is, God. You've already established what righteousness is. And we can't get there on our, in our own effort. We will never arrive. But God, give us more of it. Give us more of your goodness. And give us more faith and hope and trust in you that you desire good things for us. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you could spend a lifetime doing things, trying things in your own effort, you will never experience the life that God has for you outside of a right relationship with Jesus. You could do religious things all day long. It'd be super frustrating. You could try to be good in your own effort, and it doesn't work. I'm only good when I really surrender, when I really lay down, when I really uh, uh, obey what it is that God's asked me to do, and it's just a trust in him, a growing trust. I'm ready to jump in that pool. I'm ready to lean all the way in. God, I want to surrender my life to you. Lay aside my agenda and build a trust and a dependency on you. And if you're here and that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer. Prayer doesn't save you, Jesus saves you. But right where you're at, just pray this prayer. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender my life. I make a decision for you today. God, I pray that you would transform me from the inside out. Out of the overflow of what you're doing in me, help me to make an impact on the world around me. God, I believe in your gospel. Jesus, I believe in your goodness. And you, you put your goodness on display in your life, your death, and your resurrection. And then you call me into that same life of laying, laying down what I want 
picking up the cross that you have prepared for me, helping me to take the message of hope and salvation, the message of your goodness to the ends of the earth. And so help me to lay, lay aside uh, the things that I'm drawn to culturally, God, the, the influence that I so desperately desire or the attention that I, I feel like I need or the material possession that I feel like I'm really after. God, help me to just lay aside my agenda, step into yours. Transform me from the inside out. God, give us over to more of this fruit of the Spirit, goodness. Help us to be a people who are marked by goodness, good words, good deeds, good thoughts, good hearts, good motivations. Transform us so that we can have a lasting impact on the people around us. Lord, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.